Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hello everyone. I'm Pastor John, the senior pastor here at Stonebridge, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. And before we get into the scriptures, I, I, I do want to say they're saying that we're going to get like eight inches of rain today alone. That's a lot. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's a lot. So be safe out there. Um, don't drive, I guess, after church. Well, yeah, don't just stay here all day, but drive home. Yeah. So as Pastor Jonathan said at the beginning of the service, we are beginning a new sermon series, and it's entitled Journey to Jerusalem. And the idea behind this sermon series is rooted in the middle part of the Gospel of Luke. The middle part of the Gospel of Luke, from about Luke 9 to Luke 19, narrates a journey that Jesus takes to Jerusalem. Towards the end of chapter 9, we are told, and the expression that we're told is that Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. That's uh, an expression meaning Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. He set his eyes on Jerusalem. He set his face on Jerusalem. He was going to go to Jerusalem no matter what happened. And we learn as the story goes on that he's so determined to go to Jerusalem because he needs to fulfill his vocation as the Messiah. But that vocation, that calling that he has as Messiah is to go to the cross. It's to die. It's a surprising vocation for the Messiah. But that's how Luke sets it up for us. So what we're going to be doing is looking at key moments along that journey to Jerusalem that Jesus has. Looking at the ways in which he pursues the calling God has given him and the ways in which we can pursue the callings that God gives us in our lives as well. But today we're going to be beginning before the story or before the journey takes place. Just before Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem, we get the story of what's called the Transfiguration. So I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. And I invite you to hear God's word. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Please pray with me. Lord, 
We thank you that you have brought us here together. We thank you that you have gathered us. And we ask that we would hear your word now. Illuminate your scriptures for us. Open them up to us through the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be taught by you. That we might be shaped and formed into your likeness. So that we can take up the callings that you've placed on us, Lord. Lord, speak to us now. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I said, this story is called the transfiguration. That's the word here. And it describes this moment where Jesus is transformed in front of Peter, James, and John. This story takes place in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Although Luke has added a few things that we'll point out in a few minutes here. It's a mysterious story, though. We don't get an explanation of why exactly this happened, of why Peter chose, or why Jesus chose Peter, James, and John, of why he was transformed in them. There's not a lot of explanation to this one. But we know that this is where things begin to shift for Jesus. He goes up on this mountain, he takes Peter, James, and John while he's up there praying. His face changes in appearance and he becomes dazzling white. And then Moses and Elijah show up as well. And they're in glory. It's the prophets and the law represented there. The scriptures attesting to Jesus show up. Moses and Elijah are two of the biggest members of the biblical hall of fame. Their stories are prominent throughout scriptures. They get repeated over and over again. They get referenced over and over again. And here they are testifying to Jesus, talking with Jesus as they are in glory. What Peter, James, and John received that day was a glimpse of who exactly Jesus was, of how important Jesus was, of the fact that he was the Messiah. They got a glimpse of what glory looks like. Moses and Elijah are supposed to be dead. And there they are talking to Jesus. They got a glimpse of the Messiah's ability to overcome death, to bring life out of death. It's this powerful moment that they receive in that. So I think we can understand for a couple of reasons why Peter asks the question, he asks, or really it's more of a suggestion or really a, a command that Peter has here of Jesus. Peter's question here, his suggestion is, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let's build three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter wants to make this permanent. He wants this moment to continue. He doesn't want it to go away. He wants to make it permanent. He wants to stay there. It is good for us to be here. Now we have to, I think, understand Peter's decision here, understand his suggestion here. I get why Peter says that. I mean, he's getting this glimpse of what the world is supposed to look like. A glimpse where death doesn't have the final say anymore a glimpse of what glory looks like. He's getting to see the power of Jesus right there. So I understand it. The other reason I understand it too is because we're told about the content of what Jesus is talking with Moses and Elijah about. 
this is one of those moments where I think the English kind of lets us down. This is also one of those moments, it's only in the Gospel of Luke that we get the content of what Jesus is talking about with Moses and Elijah. It says that Jesus is talking about his departure, which was about to happen at Jerusalem. But that word departure, this is where I think the English text lets us down. In Greek, that word is actually exodus. And if you just call it departure, I think you miss a lot of the symbolism here of what Luke is reminding us of, of what Luke is connecting us to and making sure we understand about Jesus's journey he's about to take. The exodus is the name of the second book of the Pentateuch. It's the story of Moses. And it kind of is odd. It's, it's odd to me that translators depart, translate it as departure. Like Moses is standing right there. It's not hard to make the connection between Exodus and Moses and the stories there and understand that Luke is making an allusion to Moses' Exodus. Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. It was a moment of liberation, a moment of freedom. But it was not just a moment of liberation and freedom. It was also a moment of challenge, of trial, of turmoil. They would go and spend 40 years in the desert. There were times that Israel was rebellious against God. They had a very tough road on that exodus. It was not an easy journey. And that's what Jesus compares his own journey to Jerusalem it's not going to be an easy journey. Jesus knows that he's going to Jerusalem so that he will die. He knows that he is journeying there so that he will suffer. He knows the road ahead is very, very difficult. And if there's one character in the scriptures amongst Jesus' disciples who has a difficult time understanding the importance of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and Jesus' vocation as the Messiah, and the importance of the cross, it's Peter. Regularly, he tries to correct Jesus in the Gospels. He tries to say, no, you can't go and suffer. That's not what the Messiah is supposed to do. So in this moment, Peter is taking this powerful moment that's meant to be temporary, it's meant to, I think, prepare Peter, James, and John for the road ahead, to let them know what the ending will actually look like so they can be strengthened and encouraged. But instead of using it to be encouraged for the journey, Peter is trying to use it to avoid that journey. He's taking this temporary gift and he's trying to make it permanent. It's meant to be a temporary refuge to strengthen them and encourage them, and he wants it to be a permanent avoidance of what is about to come. That's where I think Peter's question or his suggestion comes from. And we have to have some grace for Peter in this moment, I think. Because I think it's something that we all tend to do. I think any one of us can think of something in your life that is a good gift, but you start holding on to it a little too long. You start going to it a little too much. Instead of using the gifts of God to strengthen you for the calling God gives us and the life of discipleship that Jesus calls us to, which can be full of challenges, we start trying to avoid that work. 
Avoid that life. Avoid that call. We start trying to make temporary things permanent. They become more prominent in our lives. There's all sorts of different ways we can do this. I know one common way that has a serious effect on society and people's lives is with alcohol. I mean, how many of us know somebody who can't just drink one glass of wine, but starts using it to change your emotions, to affect your emotions? Something that's supposed to be just a temporary evening of a social time with friends turns into a constant practice to avoid feelings, to avoid the difficult things in life that we have to deal with. I think that's one dramatic example, but there's so many other examples too. I know for myself, I have a sports obsession. I watch way too much sports. I follow way too much sports. And I have to check myself to make sure that I'm also connecting with people. <laughs> that I'm not just watching sports by myself and throwing things because the Lakers aren't very good this year, you guys. It's a, it seems like a harmless thing, but if it takes up too much time, if it gets in the way of actually following Jesus, it's taking something that's meant to be a temporary reprieve and trying to make it permanent to avoid difficult things in life. I know for a lot of men my age and younger, video games are a huge thing. And video games aren't bad in and of themselves, but when they get in the way of actual relationships and friendships and interaction with other people, that's a problem. It's an avoidance. I think one of the areas that this happens for a lot of people too is with politics. It's good to be involved. It's good to be aware. But if you start thinking that going on Facebook or YouTube or watching your cable news, getting upset about your political opponents and then going and voting, if you start thinking that that is following Jesus, you're actually avoiding the life Jesus calls you to. Because what Jesus tells us is those political opponents that your Facebook and YouTube and cable news is telling you are so horrible and are ruining everything, those are the people Jesus is calling you to love, to care for, to make sure they understand what the gospel is, that they can experience God's love also. But if you think that you go and you vote and you're done, that that's following Jesus, you're going to avoid that tough work of loving your enemy that Jesus calls us to. I think there's any number of ways that each of us could look and think of something in our lives that's meant to be temporary, that's meant to be a reprieve, or something that's meant to fit one small part of our life, but we've inflated it. We've made it bigger. It's become the main point, and it actually keeps us from the journey that Jesus calls us to. Instead of being a temporary rep reprieve, it becomes a permanent avoidance of the tough work Jesus calls us to as his disciples. So we have to have some grace for Peter in this moment. I think he's doing something that most any of us would do in that moment. I can tell you for me, if I saw Jesus transformed and Moses and Elijah there, heck yes, I'm trying to hold on to that moment. Any of us would. But while we can have grace for Peter, we also have to remember God does respond clearly. In fact, I think it's kind of funny. In three different ways, Peter gets rebuked in this. I mean, first off, Luke throws some shade at Peter. He has that line where he says, Peter asks for this suggestion. He says, let's build these shelters. And Peter didn't know what he was saying. I mean, Luke pretty much says, Peter has no clue what he's talking about in this moment. He completely misses what the moment is supposed to be. He doesn't know. So he gets rebuked there. 
And then this big cloud shows up and they're in this cloud and it's this mysterious moment. Not a lot of other clouds here in the gospels. But then a voice comes from it saying, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. That's the second way he's rebuked. And then finally the cloud leaves and Jesus is alone. And they're left with just Jesus as he was before, knowing they have to go on this journey. There's another rebuke there. They're not going to build shelters. Moses and Elijah aren't going to stay there. Peter misunderstood with the purpose of that moment. Now it's time for them to go on this journey. Three different ways Peter gets rebuked. But that instruction of the voice from the cloud that has to be from the Father. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Listen to him. It's instructions for each and every one of us. You might have something in your life that is becoming a way of, of you avoiding the life Jesus calls us to. Go and listen to Jesus. Look at his words in the scriptures, in the gospel of Luke. Look at what he calls his followers to do and to be in the world. Listen to him and then go live that out as best as you can. I mean, Jesus is pretty clear about what he wants from his followers. He wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He wants us to love our enemies as our neighbors as well. He wants us to interact with people like the Samaritans who are supposed to be an enemy, but in the gospel of Luke, Jesus regularly lifts up Samaritans as heroes, as people who understand who God is. Jesus wants us to make sure that this news of hope and resurrection that we have been given through the gospels is spread to the people in our lives, that it's what we are defined by, that it's what we are known by. Listening to Jesus isn't actually that difficult to understand what he wants from us. He's pretty clear about it in the gospels. And our instruction is to listen to him. So, the life of following Jesus, it's not always an easy life. It'll put you in uncomfortable situations. But at the end of the day, it's the life our Lord calls us to. Reaching out to people that might make us uncomfortable, helping them understand that the resurrection took place. It's the life our Lord calls us to. And we can take comfort. Peter he tried to make this moment permanent. He didn't understand the journey that was ahead of them. I think he tried to avoid it or at least put off this journey to Jerusalem that's gonna result in Jesus going to the cross. He didn't understand, but we know from the testimony of the scriptures, from the book of Acts, Peter eventually does understand. Peter embraces this life of following Jesus. And it's funny, he's the one who has the toughest time understanding that Jesus needs to go to the cross. But history tells us Peter eventually went to the cross himself, willingly. Eventually he was able to understand. This life that we're given, this following of Jesus, this news of hope and resurrection, it's not for us. It's so that we can go out into the world and spread it to other people. Even if it's challenging, even if it's difficult, the whole point is to go and spread this hope to other people. To extend God's love to other people that they might know. 
Peter understood it eventually. And I got to think that this moment of the transfiguration, once he put it in context, it reminded him of what the end game was, of what the result would be. And we have that same result. We know that in a few months, we'll celebrate Easter. We'll celebrate the resurrection. Jesus was raised. So may we share that with others. Please pray with me. Lord, it's so easy for us to let things that are meant to be temporary to become more permanent in our lives, to take the small little gifts that we get that can be moments of escape that in and of themselves aren't bad, but to keep going back to them over and over and over again so they no longer become escape, but they become the norm for our life, Lord. And in the midst of doing that, it's easy for us to lose sight of what you've told us to do in the gospels and in the scriptures. But help us to listen to you. Help us to take up the journey you give us. Help us to discern what the call is that you call us towards, Lord. And help us to set aside anything that might get in the way of that call. Lord, speak to us clearly so that we can listen to you. But no longer bound by chains
Failed to 